Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green, and today we are anxious about flying. us to episode 47 before we decided to be anxious about flying. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to do this episode for a long time. We wanted to save it for a special episode like episode 50, but we jumped the gun today. So we just want really wanted to talk about flying. Yeah, I don't know why maybe getting hungry to potentially travel again on the horizon. But yeah, it seemed like a good time to to dive into it. I really didn't think there would be a point in my life where it would have been so long since I had flown. Like what I'm going to be reminiscing on feels like it was part of a past life, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, it'll be good to go down memory lane. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason we didn't tackle it sooner is because IIA7, for people who have been longtime listeners, was I'm anxious about airports. And we focused specifically on like the getting to the airport, the airport experience, all that kind of stuff. We touched very briefly on flying, but mostly just kind of saved that. So I think we were trying to make sure it was, um, you know, there was a good amount of space. So I think 40 episodes of space is enough. Do you <laughs> yeah. think? We also wanted to record things at the beginning of the pandemic that weren't so like COVID heavy because mm-hmm. we were just inundated with COVID everything on our podcast. It was everything. So we didn't want to ignore the reality of it, but we wanted to address topics that could give people a little bit of respite while still also in the intro and outro talking about, you know, how we were dealing with pandemic. But we didn't want to just be all pandemic all the time because that's the last thing an anxious person needs to hear is yet another episode about COVID. So we are going to mostly be talking about you know, before times flying. So that's pretty much, I have flown in the after times just, well, twice. Um, Once coming back from Brazil as COVID was really taking over the world and we cut our trip short to get back into Bulgaria before the borders closed there. And that was like kind of when we were so innocent and didn't know, like I didn't really wear like a proper mask. I just had something kind of partially covering my face, you know, or my nose and mouth. But I think it was just like a, a pillow thing. You know, like my turtle wrap, which is like a thing for your neck. I pretty much just put it forward across my face. So it was like a really weird. I just looked very crazy, which is usually how I look when I fly. And then I flew recently to move back to the States. And it was funny, actually. I thought I'd be much more anxious on that flight. But it turns out I'm so used to being anxious about COVID that it just kind of sublimated all of my flying anxieties and I just had to be anxious about COVID <laughs> instead of anxious about flying. And so that was kind of a funny experience. Anyway, we'll get more into that in a bit. So let us start with a check-in. And Chris, I will ask you, on a scale of one to desperately needing to pee while the fasten seatbelt sign is on, how are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the scale today. I think that's, uh, <laughs> I think it's a good one. Some of our finest work, no doubt. You know, that 12 to 13 seconds we took to come up with that will go down in history of this podcast. <laughs> so how am I doing today? Uh, not too bad. Um, we are recording today on a Friday. Usually we record on Tuesdays when I have a little bit more of my brain intact, you know, a little bit less of uh, mush brain we'll call it so i've tried to counteract that by dipping into the coffee well which is not something i do too often but uh it's kind of an exhilarating ride i'm you know i'm excited by it for a moment here we'll see how i feel tomorrow but uh got the coffee jiggles coffee you know compared to how i felt like 43 minutes ago i think things are really looking up so that's fun i don't drink coffee that often on purpose so this is kind of like a christmas morning moment for me so i'm enjoying that (laughs) as far as uh you know anxiety was i I still probably have to throw a four in there just because i'm really quite tired and um it's not really really heavy anxiety but i mentioned 
in the last episode that I was working on a couple of big projects. Uh, one of them I kind of released to the world with a couple of people I was collaborating on that with, and that's gone great. But I think I still have like anxiety aftershocks, if that makes sense. You know, like it's kind of over with and you're like, I think, you know, that went well, but like you're, mm-hmm. you're still kind of processing it. So I think I'm still working through that, but right. not too bad. I mean, I think I'm generally feeling all right. You know, obviously the arrival of spring makes a huge difference. I mean, looking out the window and seeing the sun and all that kind of stuff, there's just some underlying feeling there of like, it's going to be nice to go out there and take a breath of fresh air at some point. And um, mm-hmm. I feel good about that. So yeah, generally not too bad, probably like a, yeah, like a three or a four, you know, obviously we battled it out on not doing half points. So you can choose, I guess at the end of the episode, people can just choose if I'm a three or a four based on the caffeinated ramblings and, and we can just call it that. But uh, I'm excited to give this scale right back to you. So Allison, on a scale of one to having to pee desperately while the fastened seatbelt light is on indefinitely. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, the indefinitely thing. Okay, I'm going to just skip slightly ahead into a rant. Yeah, I don't know if I should have added the indefinitely. No, I'm just going to skip slightly ahead into a rant and then I'll backtrack and give my number and check okay. in. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, a mixed thing. But I've noticed that pilots in America are so much more heavy handed with the fastened seatbelt button. Like, I swear to God, I've been on like three hour flights where they don't turn it off. And I'm like, what is wrong with you, sadists? I have to pee. <laughs> And then it's like you risk the wrath of a flight attendant. And like you also don't know, like, is it because there's something actually dangerous coming or did someone just forget about this button? Or like, are they just scared of being sued because Americans are so litigious that they just keep it on all the time to cover Mm. their ass in case anyone falls? And in Europe, I find they're like, or just anywhere that's not America, they're a lot more conservative with a fastened seatbelt button. So as Mm -hmm. a person with a small bladder who also needs to drink copious amounts of water on flights or will end up with a headache of a lifetime. It's a really tough battle for me, like monitoring my water intake and trying to like, you know, decide when the optimal pee times are on Mm -hmm. a plane. That is one of my anxieties. So I just wanted to just get that out of the way and we can return to that. Can I do a 10 second? This is also more travel related and I apologize. We both are obviously travel fanatics to some extent here. Speaking of differences between American pilots and pilots elsewhere, I find the pilots in America are so much more like jovial and colloquial. Like they hop on like, oh, right here, I'll be your pilot today. And then like, halfway through the flight, just as you're taking off, like you've just gotten to ascent and there's no clouds in the right. And it's like, and on your right, you're going to see the grand game. It's like, they're like half tour guide, half pilot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they have sort of that morning announcer radio voice yeah, too. Always. Like they just really enjoy and... chatting with <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Back to the scale. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. So anyway, back to the scale. I'm probably about a three or a four as well. Mm. No particular cause or rhyme or reason to it. I'm just feeling a little bit unmoored from reality. <laughs> <I've> had- <laughs> that sounds like an, a scale of eight. <laughs> no, because it's like I'm too out of it to really okay. be stressed about it, you know? Okay, I respect that. I respect that. I just like don't really know what day it is. I don't know. The time change kind of fucked me up because on top of that before, like also jet lag and I don't know. I'm just like a little bit confused about what day of the week it is, Mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to do on each day. And I keep having this overwhelming sense of I'm missing something and realizing like I'm just being stupid. You know, like I scheduled (laughs) four calls on the same day yesterday. And so yesterday I spent like the whole day on a call. You were a ghost yesterday. I tried to message you. It just didn't go well. You messaged (laughs) me like 14 hours later and you're like, oh, were you trying to reach me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like incommunicado yesterday because I was just on calls all day long. Mm -hmm. And just, I don't know. I just, I've had trouble kind of restabilizing everything and kind of getting into routine, having a calendar. Mm So when I get like that, which is a situation entirely of my own making, of course, (laughs) I end up just getting really stressed, but still too overwhelmed to really sit down and be like, okay, Alice, let's figure out the pickle you got yourself into. Yeah, let's figure out when you have these calls instead of just being like, 
I vaguely know I have a call this day, <laughs> you know? It's just There's someone who's waiting on a response. Yeah, it's 100% of crisis of my own making that would be extremely easily solved with 10 minutes of work, but there you go. That's uh, anxiety and ADHD in a nutshell for you. Well, that's another <laughs> so, potential memoir title, A Crisis of My Own Making. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, just every chapter should be called that. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another crisis of my own making. Oh, so yeah, it's a very silly reason to be so anxious because there are some steps that I could quite easily do to get myself out of this, but I haven't really gotten the momentum back to be able to do those sorts of things. You're still so on the tarmac, just, right? You're still on the tarmac. You're. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm. I'm still taxiing. It's a really big airport, so passengers are starting to get a little frustrated. They know they're going to be delayed. I mean, yeah. If it's a flight in Eastern Europe, everyone is already standing and opening the things and rushing towards the front. Oh, we have to talk about that. We have to talk about disembarking. That's a thing. Mm -hmm. And embarking. So, like, let's go through the whole plane journey so we don't miss a part. Okay. I think that would be probably the wise way to structure this episode. Yeah. Why don't we do this episode in a special way and literally? Just just do it sequentially like yeah we're boarding we're sitting okay we're yeah landing i think this could be a fun flight path <laughs> Ugh. yes <laughs> i can't stop i'm sorry you know this is like i think it's important to remember that any of these sort of moments where you're cringing at all we're just gonna blame blame the coffee mm -hmm. and that's Perfect. Yeah. And I'll still blame jet lag, even though that was almost a month ago. Airplane now. coffee you know, uh -huh. just doesn't do wonders for me. Yeah. You're apparently not even supposed to drink it. They apparently use really gross water for it. Do you hear about that? No, but it, is this something that uh, we should say for the middle when, when coffee served or should we? Sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. We can do that. Okay, great. Okay. So <laughs> let us start at the beginning yes. of our flight. Great. So let's talk about boarding and getting on the flight. Right. What are your anxieties around that process? And we may have covered this a teeny bit yeah, in we did. the airport episode. So there might be a little bit of recapping, but... Hopefully we'll put a new spin on it. Not too much. So I think in the airport episode, we covered the fact that they board for the flight and then there are the people who go and stand for an hour waiting for the moment to shine. <laughs> and then there are people like me who wait till things get moving just enough, but you want to make sure that you can put your luggage up top so you, right. you get in right kind of at the nick of time and you're always gambling a little bit. So I think I have a bit of anxiety around that. Shuffling to my seat, the anxiety you have there really is just you don't know you know, who were you put beside? Is that person really excited to meet you? And this is why I always board a plane with my headphones in, because it just yeah. sends that early signal that uh, even though I am friendly, I think most people who know me would say that, that hence the golden retriever sort of, I don't know if it's a moniker, moniker. Like, yeah, moniker that you've given me. And I think I kind of appreciate it actually, quite frankly. But I do board that way because the off chance that I might have to carry on a conversation for five hours is anxiety inducing because Allison, you know this well, and I don't think anybody who's listening will be surprised. I have a hard time ending conversations because I don't want to be the one to disappoint mm -hmm. the other person. And so I'll talk about anything and everything indefinitely. And oftentimes I'll enjoy the conversation. I mean, I've had some brilliant conversations on planes, some of which have paid dividends for me professionally, I will say. But I would say it's few and far between that I actually want to be in that position. More often than not, I have a whole bunch of tasks that I do on planes that when I used to be flying more, that keep me busy and like make the plane feel productive. This segment might give you anxiety already. But uh, generally speaking, the boarding of the plane, I am anxious about it, possibly getting to see beside someone who's talkative. So I put the headphones in and fitting my, my carry-on into the above compartment, there is a deep anxiety that I have around being the person whose carry-on luggage has to be checked uh, below. Yeah. And like, I would look at the plane longingly as the, like, you know, as I watched them put it under and be like, oh, you know, because you wanted to check that luggage so you could just be right off that plane and right to wherever you were going, you know? So those are my, some yeah. of my initial anxieties. Let me pass it on back to you and we'll see if we share some of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I absolutely share the anxiety of my bag going under the plane. I hate waiting for my luggage. It's like the worst feeling. I get so anxious to get out of there. So I do it as little as possible. And to the point where like 
I'm horrible to travel with if you're a heavy packer because I'm just in pain and visible agony while you're waiting for your mm-hmm. luggage. But I won't say anything. But you can tell that I'm but just know. in yeah. a hell of your making for not being a light packer <laughs> like me. <laughs> so yeah, I always pack pretty lightly, at least like lightly enough to fit in carry on. Yeah. And so there is a little bit of like that, like struggle to position yourself so that you do have a space for yourself especially this is more so for flying domestically because they've, you know, implemented all these insane fees. I think usually when I'm flying internationally, enough people are sane and check luggage instead Mm -hmm. of trying to cram everything into a backpack that's That's going to give you a shoulder injury for the rest of your life like I have. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so it's a little less stressful on those bigger flights, but on the short shorter domestic flights it does feel kind of like a hunger games like let me get my you know bag up here kind of thing let me get in at the right time and then there's always those people they should know they're gonna be called last because they're like near the front of the plane and Mm -hmm. this flight boards like back first but they just stand like a barrier in the front with no consideration of the fact that they're like confusing everyone and holding things up Mm -hmm. and they just stand there like as if because they're present the boarding order is going to change that's no that's yeah that's not how it works so I'm with you there. I try to find the right time. And I also hate it when I'm traveling with someone who like wants to sit until the last possible moment. And I'm like, I have a bag that I need to get in there. So sometimes if I'm traveling with someone who is one of those people, I'm just, I'm going to board before you. Like we don't have to board together. I need to get this bag on this plane. But I won't be one of those hovers, you know, near the front of the mm-hmm. line who is That's just right, me holding things up. Mm-hmm. So there's like kind of a nice middle ground I have to find. Okay. So then, yeah. I also share the same anxiety about being forced to have small talk. And I, yeah, also always bored with my, you know, just most stoic resting bitch face, which luckily is just standardly pretty stoic (laughs) and also some headphones and just trying to kind of, you know, not look super up for chatting because, yeah, mm-hmm. I've had some awkward plane rides and, you know, things where I felt like there weren't really appropriate boundaries set up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I like having the headphones as sort of a visual signal yeah. that I'm not available for speaking to. Right. And, yeah, I don't really like talking on planes for the same reason that you – and then I think even – Maybe this is more of a thing just being females, but I feel like us ending the conversation is not necessarily the end of a conversation because I've had people like where I've tried to end the conversation, like literally like tap me on the shoulder at a point to like continue the conversation. And I'm like, "Mm -mm 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 -mm." no, like I extricated myself from this for a reason. Like I put the headphones back in and told you that I was going to do something and I don't want to continue to chat. Like, let's not. So I struggle sometimes with that, with like people not really respecting the boundaries that I've put up and it's annoying. But those are so, that's my boarding anxiety. Right. And also just, I get anxious about the seating and if I'm going to be surrounded by people who are like loud or inconsiderate, you know, like if I'm going to be like, you know, seated behind like really loud talkers Mm -hmm. or like, you know, a family with a young kid who they're not kind of watching see if they're kicking my seat and stuff. Mm -hmm. Just people who are going to not make the plane ride pleasant. And like, I know some of it is kind of unavoidable, you know, like if you have a kid, they're probably going to make noise and that's not really your fault. But I still get kind of anxious, like predicting how bad the scenario is going to be and kind of getting stressed preemptively. Like when I see like a baby on a plane, my heart rate just escalates and I'm like preparing for just pure unbridled blood curdling screaming yeah like it's usually never to that level but i've had enough experiences where like i had a red eye flight that i was going to work after and babies just screamed the entire flight and i didn't get a lick of sleep and so i think now i'm just a little bit traumatized Yeah. yeah it's just like I don't begrudge anyone who has to fly with a baby. Like, I'm not trying to shame anyone, like, because I know it's much more painful for the parents Mm -hmm. to have to, you know, anticipate everyone getting upset with them and whatnot. 
But for me, it's more just the anticipation of like, when is it going to start and how long is it going to go for and how close to me is it going to be and am I going to be able to tune it out? Yeah. And so I kind of get a little preemptively stressed when I see families around me. And I try not to let that show on my face because you know, right. yeah, you I don't know they're be not as happy. Yeah, I don't want to be like, I am a misanthrope, but I don't want people to know that I am. <laughs> so- <laughs> you don't want to be the notable curmudgeon, you know, like. You, you- yeah, yeah. I want to be the silent curmudgeon. That's right. The, the quiet branch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that covers kind of getting on to the plane. And then we, uh, just like that, we're taken off. We're up in the air there. And uh, I personally don't mind takeoff. I, you know, talk about like a, a silver lining a little bit. I actually really like that taking off to me signals that I throw my phone in airplane mode and I'm not reachable. There's something I find like... Mm-hmm unusually tantalizing about that in the modern age where I'm like, you can't reach me. And I know that as early as your most recent flight, we were messaging back and forth on the plane. And there is something that's kind of like something like cheeky and fun about actually being like getting a few things done on the plane too. But I, I like actually just like taking off and then I'm like, all right, like you can't reach me for a bunch of hours. I'm not beholden to anybody. Maybe I have like an auto message on my email. And then I have a whole bunch of tasks that I busy myself with, like sweeping through my podcasts and making sure like I I mentioned this before, but like I like to organize my podcasts into different like folders and make sure I've get through them. And I like listening to podcasts and I like sweeping through my emails offline, all that kind of stuff. That sounds really, when you say it out loud, like not that much fun. But I kind of enjoy that. I think, you know, the common theme of so many episodes is the idea of, of like anxiety arises when you don't have control over the situation. And it's hard to imagine a situation where you have less control than, you know, uh, flying because someone else is flying this plane that, you know, certainly you have no control over the plane at all. I think I try to like assert control where I can. Like I try to be like hyper endearing when I check in to ensure I get the aisle seat. I am, um, I would say adept at buttering up flight attendants to ensure that I get so like might get an extra little food action or something like that. Uh, I'm a pretty hungry guy. And I and part of one of my anxieties is being really hungry on a plane and like being left with, uh, mm-hmm. you're like really hungry. And it's just like, they're like, well, there are like a couple bags of pretzels there. If you just want to eat pretzels until your heart's content. And you're like, you know, I want to get myself in that position where they're like, but there's also an extra meal, Chris, you know, and you're like, oh, um, <laughs> even though it depends on the airplane food, though, let's be honest. But Turkish Airlines, like I'm taking that if it's offered for me, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Good food. Though. But I mean, to go back to that central point there without just going on a huge diatribe about airplane food for one reason or another, I think that's perhaps where my central anxiety lies when it comes to flying is the fact that I know so many flawed humans and i can't be sure that this pilot is not a flawed human being and like it does irk me a little bit you know to think like i don't expect this person to be perfect but like i really hope that if i'm flying from las vegas that this person didn't lose it all on the strip the night before you know this pilot showed restraint right and i've flown on so many different flights with so many different pilots i have to imagine at some point i had a pilot who wasn't the top of their class and that kind of you know, irks me a little bit. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because statistically, of course, flying is the safest mode of travel. That's right. You know, that's why we actually hear about it when planes crash is because it's noteworthy. That's right. Whereas like cars crash all the time, you know, pedestrians get hit by cars, all sorts of things. But I think there is something just really scary about you know, catastrophizing. Like it's a very dramatic thing mm-hmm. if a plane explodes or goes down, you know? So it's like you've seen a couple movies about it and it just looks Yeah. And there's know, like, like every time you seem to be flipping through channels, for those of us who still have cable, I I just have access on my iPad to like a cable network of sorts. And every time I flip through, it seems like Discovery or Nat Geo or something has like some program on called like Mayday, a nightmare in the sky or something. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And it's always, I go to it and it looks like computer graphics from 1999. It's like, it's always like a a plane in freefall mode. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And so of course we all get paranoid about this stuff. It's because I'm inundated with material around it. 
Right. Yeah. Anyways, right. I'll let you pick that back up. No, it's very disproportionate the amount of coverage right? that plane crashes get compared to like the frequency of them. Yeah. But I'm very anxious about my plane crashing. And like, I'm just convinced that I'm going to be that unlucky one in several million who dies <laughs> in a plane crash. Yep. And I really hate when I'm over the water in the ocean. You know, like mm-hmm. that yeah. just freaks me the uh, fuck out. Even like, you just saying that out loud makes me uh, yeah. unsettled, to be honest with you. Yeah. When I realize that I'm way out in the middle of the ocean, yeah. that's when I kind of bug out a little bit. I try not to think about where I am until I like know that I'm over land. Yes, and, like, I know. I know. Statistically, I know that if you plummet like 30,000 feet, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you're landing in water or land. Yeah. Like you're probably just not going to make it still. out. And you probably don't even want to at that point. No. But I don't know. For some reason, it kind of freaks me out being over water. Just the, yeah. the idea that there's no place to land if something goes wrong. You know, yeah. there's no like emergency landing. And that kind of freaks me out. There's no like turning back. So that kind of bugs me out a little. And I start to get like hyper aware of turbulence, yes. especially. So that is my main thing. I used to not care about turbulence, and then suddenly I had one bad turbulent flight, and it really triggered a horrible fear of turbulence for me to the point when there's turbulence, I start like shaking, crying, hyperventilating, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what it was is I was on a flight from Bulgaria to Azerbaijan, and we were flying over the Black Sea. And our plane did this like really stomach sickening, like rolling thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had just gone to the bathroom and there had been like a really weird hissing sound coming from the bathroom. It felt like something wasn't fully connected and like there was air seeping into the plane. And then it just got into my head like this plane is going down and you should have reported the hissing sound, but you were oh, too gosh. anxious to tell anyone about the hissing sound. <laughs> and now the plane is going down. So I spent like the rest of the flight having very quiet panic attacks in my seat. Yeah. And ever since then, I have been especially sensitive to turbulence and freaking out when there's turbulence and crying and then getting anxious about the fact that I'm crying and people are asking me how I am and, you know, that flight attendants will like check on me and then I get anxious about being high maintenance and yeah. it's become a whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I cry on planes a lot. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, whatever it's, it's whatever works. But I like how, not necessarily like, but I, it's funny how like one thing just spirals into the other, right? Like you are yeah. feeling anxious about the flight and then you're anxious about being anxious about the flight and on and on and on. And I think, yeah, yeah, it's one of these things where with, you know, with turbulence, I'm kind of the same way. I get really anxious about turbulence. And I will kind of like grip my seat. I'll have to like pause my podcast mm-hmm. or pause the movie or whatever yeah. and just sort of like take a moment to gather myself. And it's, you know, after the turbine's over, I'm kind of fine. But I do get nervous about it. And I think, you know, I don't want this episode for people to be like, well, now I am anxious about flying. Thank you, guys. But I think <laughs> it's just one of these things where like I know objectively 100% that this is much safer than driving and so on and so forth. But I just think it's the fact that I'm not sure that physiologically human beings were meant to be flying, like we're meant to be in, you know, tin cans, 30,000 feet in the air flying around. So there comes a moment where you're kind of just, well, this is incredible. I am 30,000 feet in the air in this flying vehicle. And um, this is, uh, this is intense. But I, I think I was reading about a people who were like really genuinely anxious about flying to the point of like just not being able to fly at all. And I was reading about Mm -hmm. strategies that people have for potentially getting over that. And apparently a really like prominent strategy is for people to actually learn about what turbulence is and learn about some of the physics and the aerodynamics of flying. Because I personally am not going to go down that road because I just know how I respond to certain things. Like sometimes for me, more information is not better, but I did read in several places in several articles that when people understood that turbulence wasn't this reason to hit the panic button, it was like just, you know, a plane's response to air pressure, so on and so forth. I think it wasn't this thing to be- Like it's a feature, not a bug. That's right. Like it's not as if the plane is glitching. In fact, it's as if the plane is like adequately responding to the climate and like 
it's going to be all right. So that was like a tip that I saw over and over and over again was, was to understand you can understand the numbers and know objectively this is the safest, but actually understanding some of those like aerodynamics and so on and so forth was apparently really helpful for a lot of people because when they were going through turbulence moving forward or going through, you know, A, B, and C, they were able to say like, okay, well, this is normal. Like perhaps if you understood that turbulence occurs in spurts longer than a minute on 85% of flights, you would be less frightened by the fact that your plane's experiencing turbulence or something like that. Like perhaps some information there would help in in some way. So I don't know, perhaps in the case of like fear of flying, information could be power. I can't say, but it is recommended. A number of PhDs did recommend it. And we do not have PhDs notably. Not yet. So that that is helpful. When I was researching, I wanted to mention this app that I discovered. I've never used it yet. Um, it's available on iOS, apparently not Android yet, but it's called Turbcast. It's two bucks. And apparently you put in like your arrival departure airport and your arrival and departure times and they look at the wind patterns and like data to help predict when there's going to be turbulence. Huh. And that way, like knowing maybe ahead of time when there's going to be turbulence, you can kind of mentally prepare yourself for it. And it'll feel, again, more like that. It's a feature, not a bug. I know that at this point, I'm going to feel turbulent. And like, so for me, I used to fly because I lived in New York. My family's from San Francisco, Bay Area. And I'd fly from New York to San Francisco, you know, multiple times a year. And I always knew that as I crossed the Rocky Mountains, there would be turbulence. And so knowing that was helpful. Like I never Hmm. freaked out when I felt turbulence over Colorado because I knew that was going to happen. But when I would feel turbulence in other ways, like this one time I was landing in San Francisco on like a really windy day and there was so much turbulence as we were landing that terrified the shit out of me. That was horrible. Mm -hmm. That was like one of the things where I'm like, I might never fly again kind of feeling like even though, of course, we landed, everything was fine. I just had the sensation that the plane was breaking apart all around me as we were landing. (laughs) And I was like, uh, never going to fly on this this again. This airline does not exist in my mind anymore. And I really hate it. And Sorry, so- I don't want to interrupt you, but do you ever do the thing on flights that are like hyper turbulent? I had this before on a few different flights. Do you ever just start making promises to no one in particular? You're like, if I get through this and I get down here, yeah. like oh, I yeah. will become, I will basically just like go celibate and join the priesthood. You're like, you know, you're like, you're just going like out of control promises that are, you know, just in your head, you know, and you're like. (laughs) I never believe in God more than when I'm convinced that my plane is going down. Like (laughs) I'm pretty secular, but like, as soon as there's turbulence, I'm like, all right, time to make my peace with Jesus. Like, Right, right. (laughs) Gotta rest my soul easy. Turbulence is the great recruiter, right? Like it's just, uh, yeah. you're, you are religious. Time to make my last confession. Yeah, you're religious when you're, when you're flying. I think that's, um, I think that's really pretty spot on. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was mentioning to you before, like there are some instances where I have to think about things as stories that I can tell later to be able to stomach what's happening at that moment. So I mentioned before we started recording that there was one time that I was teaching in a small community called Pearl Lagoon in Nicaragua. Um, I should clarify, I wasn't like spreading religion or anything like that. I was going to teach English there as part of uh, my uh, Bachelor of Ed program through a university in Toronto. And I arrived in Managua and I hopped on this little plane to fly to a community called Bluefields. And I'm on the plane with like five other people. It's a really small plane. It's buzzing around or whatever. The pilots could not be more relaxed. In fact, the co-pilot at one point takes out the map puts it across the window, you know, where the co-pilot is so that he can block out the sun and take a nap. At this instance, Mm -hmm. there is nothing I can do. I know this. The only thing I can do is think, if I start a podcast about anxiety five years from now, I can definitely tell this story (laughs) on an episode about flying. And and so like, that's the only way I could conceptualize it. And also I have some tactics for flying that are like, I always kind of come prepared with something to take out of my back pocket that I know will help to kind of calm me down. And one of them is back in the day, I used to only write to a couple of different artists. So I would pretty much only write to like Sigaros because they're all in Icelandic and it's kind of like emotional. It kind of gets me in that zone and a few other artists. So I have those albums that I've listened to 
hundreds of times in normal situations that I'm just, I know kind of every up and down and move of, if I'm feeling like I'm like in a moment of spiraling, my palms are, you know, just sweating and I'm like, I'm turning into a frantic mess. Like I would just put on an album and it's like just the initial chords of it. It just calms me down. It's like that calming, Mm -hmm. like enveloping yourself in familiarity in a moment where you are making your peace with God. As you're like, oh my God, like you just put on this music and it calms you down. So I had about four or five albums downloaded that I'm like, that I knew really intimately and that I'd listened to hundreds of hundreds of times. I think the albums I had were like a few albums by Sigaros. I had Two albums by The Antlers. I don't know if you know them. Like I, I just listened to them a lot. I had the Her soundtrack, which was put together by mm-hmm. Arcade Fire, and it's just like really like mellow and kind of chilled out. So I had all those albums that, like, in case I needed them, they were my in this moment of you know real realistic where I don't have much control. There was something about having that uh, card to play that gave me some solace, you know. Yeah. It's funny. I actually kind of have the opposite experience where if I'm listening to something and I start to have panic, I want to turn it off because I don't want to ruin the song for myself. Hmm. You know what I mean? I actually find for me personally, when I'm anxious on a plane, it's usually because the turbulence is kind of affecting my motion sickness a little bit. Hmm. And looking at my phone or like playing a game on my phone or like having lots of other stimuli is actually worsening things for me. And so in those instances, I find that it's helpful to just turn everything off and just like either put on like a meditation specifically about flight anxiety Hmm. or some sort of anxiety meditation or just focusing on my own breathing. But I found that for me personally, The narrative of death and destruction in my head is so loud that music just adds to the cacophony instead of calming me down. Fair enough. And so I find for me personally, it's better to just like... Listen to your heartbeat, which is trying to beat out of your chest. (laughs) Yeah, basically. I just try to do something that's like more meditation oriented, um, whether it's like a guided meditation or breathing exercise, just to get myself down from like a nine to like a five. And when I'm at the five, then I can listen to things and try to distract myself again. But this is something I've learned through trial and error that it's, for me, it's usually a lot better to just pause, be in the anxious moment and just like try to accept it rather than ignore it. And for some reason, that's a little more helpful for me personally but I can see the merits of your suggestion as well. Also, I just want to say I've done that same flight, the Managua to Bluefields flight. I was going out to the Corn Islands and those planes are tiny and scary. Yes, They're really scary planes. They're just like, they look like they shouldn't be in the air. That's right. (laughs) They look like what you would build for a school project if you were like, this is what a plane could look like. Yeah. Uh, you know, with paper mache and stuff like that. But no, I, hey, I got there. So obviously there the planes were doing something right. But I should actually say like when I'm in that state, when, when I'm in nine mode where it's like you're holding on with sweaty palms and whatever, like I really can't really listen to music at that point. I do kind of pause and I'm actually, I'm curious, uh, my meditation practice has become a huge, much, much bigger part of my life since I flew last. The last time I flew was about a year today. And now I meditate every day, right? And I would be interested to see how much better that would be for me just as far as being able to control. Obviously, one big thing with meditation is just focusing on the breath, right? Like in just noting in when you breathe in and noting out when you breathe out. And, you know, I've talked before about the what can be a really helpful mechanism when your heart's beating really quickly is to breathe in for two seconds and breathe out for four seconds. Because if when you continue Mm -hmm. to do that over and over and over again, you're naturally calming yourself down. And I would love to be able to try that out. I mean, obviously, I'm not beckoning turbulence on future flights, but I'd be interested to see how if I could be able to, to handle that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm just I'm excited to flag it for certain reasons, obviously, being able to get to the destination. I mean, another tip not necessarily a tip for anybody else. I don't know if this is would be useful for anybody else, but I used an app called Ulmon, U-L-M-O-N, to download offline maps. And you can basically do like a whole bunch of planning for the city that you're going to. You download the offline map for the city that you're going to or the country that you're going to. And you can pretty much plan your trip as you're on the plane. 
And the reason that was helpful for me was because I was so focused on what I would do when I arrived there that I was implicitly telling myself, you're going to get there. You know, like you're planning for the trip right now. You're looking at restaurants you're going to go to. You're looking at, you know, places you're going to go. You're like, it's going to be a great trip. And that was a really helpful sort of punch to the throat of whatever line of ideas I had in my mind about how, you know, the plane and so on and so forth. It was like by focusing on what I would do when I got there, I was making sure that I battled the part of myself that was telling me, what if I don't get there? (laughs) Right. That's smart. That's smart. Do you have any more things that make you anxious while you're in the air before we start going into like landing? I'm just trying to think if there's anything. Yeah, not really. I mean, I just uh, I just wanted to mention, I think it's like everything else, anxiety is so dependent on what flight you're taking, what the plane looks like, how tired you are when you're on the plane, how much did you sleep the night before? There's so many different factors. And so again, just a theme we always bring up, but like, I think we just have to take ourselves where we are for that moment. And there's going to be some instances where you're just naturally going to be more anxious for that flight. And we just try to get through that. Maybe, you know, meditation would be more helpful, maybe in the same way that understanding, you know, turbulence can be helpful, maybe understanding that you're exhausted and you might experience more mental turbulence. It might be perhaps a more difficult flight for you. Just acknowledging that you're a little bit more tired and maybe this flight will be a bit more, you know, anxiety ridden, perhaps like just accepting that can be helpful. I'm not sure some of this is just theorizing, but um, Mm -hmm. as far as other things I'm anxious about mid air, No, I think we got to most of it. Yeah, for me, turbulence is the big one. Me too, me too. Do we make the announcement? Turbulence is the big one. For landing? (laughs) That we're landing? Yeah, to buckle up. The seatbelt sign going on? (laughs) Yeah, all right. Seatbelt sign on. So I hope you peed and emptied your bladder like the way that I always forget to do. Oh, one thing I just want to talk about is like just sort of like the politics of getting up from your seat if you don't have an aisle seat. I prefer an aisle seat just so that I have control over getting up and getting out. Like I don't mind at all getting up for other people. I don't mind standing. Like of course it sucks if you are sleeping, but I'm usually not sleeping on a flight. I usually pick a window seat if it's a really, really, really long flight and I'm planning to sleep. But if it's a shorter flight, six hours or less, and I don't think I'm going to sleep, then I want aisle so I can have sort of free reign because I feel like on a longer flight people know they're gonna have to get up and out you know for you you know it's like part of the contract is like no one's expecting someone to hold their bladder for 14 hours like that's insane so on a flight that's like two hours if I have to pee in the middle of it then I feel like a degenerate (laughs) for doing something like like a base a very base normal human activity you're like wow I'm a degenerate but wow you couldn't hold it you're so bad at planning like what a bad human you are yeah you inconvenience me for a second how dare you But yeah, I just kind of hate the whole asking to pee to get up because you have to pee thing. So like, I really prefer aisle seats for that reason. Do you know how I get over that fear uh, Mm. or that anxiety? I remind myself that I will never see this person again. (laughs) Like that is, that's the way I get over that anxiety. It's just, I think to myself, this person I'm beside, the chances of me seeing them again are negligible. And so as long as I'm being mostly decent person like you don't want to be you know like if you're thinking about pee like you let's aim for mule as opposed to fool like not trying to get up uh you know a hundred times try to hold that in there i don't know if that mule fool uh thing really held up there but anyways yeah no it didn't it didn't it didn't i knew i knew at the moment (laughs) i said it yeah now that we recorded on video too i can just see the disappointment in your eyes when something doesn't hit and that didn't hit at all but all that to say, yeah. you know, I think understanding <laughs> like you're you're freaking out about this moment. You're just like, well, it's okay. I'll just have to live with this flight. You might, if you interacted with them for more than a couple of seconds, perhaps a pleasant nod as you depart to go to the right and they go to the left after you've landed. Like that's about the size of it, right? That's about all you're going to be encumbered with. Right. For some reason, and this is like, this just speaks volumes to just like how I've been socialized. But I try to think like, oh, the person next to me is going to be so grateful that I got up because maybe they need to get up too and they were too shy to say anything about it. So like I try to think of myself as like giving the other person an opportunity to get up if they wanted to without feeling embarrassed about it. But it's so weird. It's not like I can be like, I need to get up because I need to because I have a human need that other humans have and I just happen to have like the bad seat. 
It's more just like, well, maybe this other person will be convenienced in a way that offsets the inconvenience that I'm causing to another person. Oh it's gosh. very weird. <laughs> it's a very weird mental calculus that I do to try to make myself feel better about peeing. Um, there you but go. yeah, that's just how brains are. All right. So seatbelt sign is on yep. your bladder. It is where it is mm. and it's not getting any better. We're going down. But not that far. Yeah, down, I was gonna say, but just yeah. like down, down in a controlled. Not fashion. going down in that way. We are slowly <laughs> descending. Descending, right? How are you feeling? Totally fine with it. Really, I have no anxieties around that. Really, uh, except for Istanbul Airport, which I flew into so many times. There was never like we, Bree and I, used to fly in late on Sunday night. We'd just like go on weekend trips or whatever. And sometimes we'd get caught in a pattern where we'd be flying around, like trying to land for an hour because there was so many planes trying to land at the same time. And that was annoying because I just, I could feel my sleep depleting from me. I was like, I could already sense mm-hmm. how tired I was going to be the next day. So that was anxiety inducing. But I would say, and there was a few times that we've landed, like I know my folks and I, we, when we flew into, I think it was Crete probably like the landing there was just out of control. Like there was, it was very windy and that was intense. So some landings, yes, but mm. generally speaking, I'm what well, we talked before about like I, seeing land again, I can see our descent. I started to kind of get enveloped with relief, actually. I feel like relieved that we've kind of made it there. I personally don't have much anxiety around landing at all. Almost the entirety of all of my anxieties are around like mid-flight over the ocean sort of stuff. Landing for me, yeah. I told you I use that app to sort of plan out the adventure. That's when I look down and I'm like, oh, the adventure applies to a real place. And if I haven't been there, I become... Just like the childlike enthusiasm is almost obnoxious. I'm just like, I'm beyond titillated. I'm just like out of control, excited to explore something new. And this will be true even with, you know, like this is never going to stop. Like if I'm going to a new place, you can 100% guarantee that I am going to be fired up landing there, even if I haven't slept, just to experience new things. I adore the opportunity to experience new things, especially now. You know, my life is Groundhog's Day. But I don't want to go down that path. That is a flight I do not want to take, Allison. So anyways, that's how I feel about landing. How about you? Nope. Let's ground that plane. (laughs) (laughs) I get really anxious when the plane lands. I guess it's like almost a thing like, oh, thinking that it's over, I'm almost like I've jinxed myself. And now I'm like, oh, now we're going to die. This is the part where we die now. (laughs) And so like any little (laughs) bit of wind or turbulence (laughs) just like will send me you know, into just like a tearful panic. So yeah, like windy things or just like going through any bad weather on the way windy down. Things. <laughs> windy things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also known as wind. Uh, yes, I know exactly what you mean, Alison. You've painted a perfect picture with the use of windy things. <laughs> yeah, windy things, better known as wind. Going through anything like that will just like send me on a tailspin. And also one thing that I learned is that actually at the end of a flight, they usually turn off like the air conditioning and stuff. And so you actually do get physically hotter at the end of the flight. Mm. And what was happening with me was I would get physically super hot at the end of the flight and then was like, oh, I'm having a panic attack because like I felt like my body temperature feeling like it was rising. And then all these other things would kind of click into place. And then, I don't know, I read some sort of article about how they turn off the air at the end and how that can freak some people out and change their breathing and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's what's been happening. And ever since I was aware of that, I've gotten a little better about not letting the temperature rising mean that I'm panicking, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm like, oh, that's a variable independent of me. That's something happening in the entire plane, not just like in my physical body, because I think sometimes it can be hard to separate that what's happening in your body versus what's happening in your brain. It can happen kind of the other way around, too. We normally think of things happening in our brain and then impacting our body, but things can happen in our body and then impact our brain as well. You know, so like that happens to me a lot on planes. Like if I get a little bit of motion sickness or I get a little too hot, I automatically assume that I'm starting to panic and then I actually do panic. You know what I mean? So I think kind of just being aware of like the changes within your body when you fly, because flying is hard on your body in certain ways. You know, you're just exposed to like pressure and things that you're just not really supposed to be, you know, 
that you just didn't really evolve to experience, you know, there are things that happen physically in the body that can just kind of throw you off a bit. Just being kind of aware of what those changes in your body are can be helpful. I'm sorry, I kind of like zoomed into tips. Um, no, it's we're okay. gonna have we've, to backtrack been... a bit into disembarking the plane. I actually think but... the, the, the we've we've kind of like our tips pretty much right after we created the like tips and then we do the like back padding at the end sort of thing. We just sort of managed to abandon that and just kind of sprinkled tips throughout and then kind of do the back padding. So I think you're just fine. I think the tip placement was just, that was just another sprinkling of a tip towards the end. So no problem. Perfect. So let's just quickly talk about disembarking because I hate this experience so much. I'm a person who must have a heavy dose of German DNA because I get extremely irate when people are not following rules around me. And I see this so much when flying, when you see people just as soon as the plane lands, it's still like skidding and they're like, throwing their seatbelt off, like nearly knocking someone in the head with their seatbelt, like getting up, opening. I see you've landed in Turkey before. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It's insanity. Like, I love the Balkans. I spent three or four years living there. But good God. Yeah. God help you when a plane lands yeah. in Eastern Europe or Turkey. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. Bedlam. Bedlam. And it's at Bedlam. Like, and it's it's not just about it's like Ukraine, I'm sure, landing in Russia. It's the yeah. same thing. It's just like lands where there's no fucks given. That those Yeah, if yeah, exactly. It's just pandemonium. It's rough. And so like it is better in the States, but people still do it a little bit and it's quite annoying. And I'm someone who is not particularly confrontational, but like after a long flight. I'll get a little fussy with you. So if someone tries to just burst in front of me, I will hold my place and be like, "Uh, uh, uh, this goes by row. If you were to ask me like, oh, I have, you know, a flight, I'm trying to make a connection. I'm not like that much of a stickler. But like, if you're just someone who's just bursting through, I will body check you. I will get in the way. Oh, you know, I'm just like, I will just decide I'm going to stand and block you, you know, because you're trying to go yeah, ahead. And I'll just that. like, I'll just put my thing in the way because it disrupts the flow. You know, there's a reason why you disembark row by row, starting with the front. It's the most efficient. Or like, I hate it when someone also like, maybe someone who boarded the plane at the very end and their thing is like, their luggage ends up being way in the back. And then they're like trying to fight against the current of people. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Like, if your bag is all the way in the back, you need to wait until there's a clear pathway to the back. Or like, you should have organized getting your bag up closer to you during the flight. You know what I mean? You don't get to do that. And I've seen so many people like fight against the current, like a salmon swimming upstream. And it's just like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. So I just get extremely German when flights land. And I'm just like, you're not following the rules. The rules are there for a reason. You know, I'm just very like rule, 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 which is like, I'm not really like that in real life, but on a plane, it's just like that ancestry just, you know, Yep. Starts passing judgment on every soul who doesn't dare to follow the rules. I'm just very impatient at that at that point. Really, we land and I whether, you know, we've talked to an alarming amount about pee this episode, but whether I have to pee or like it's kind of like that feeling of like when you really have to pee and you're so close to the bathroom, like that's kind of how I feel where I'm like, get me off here. I'm so close to being up. Like yeah. you know, that's kind of how I um feel. But my real anxiety around landing is just the like if I've checked a bag, the catastrophizing around whether it made it or not. I've just decided that right. my bag is the one that didn't make it. As I watch others take their bags in front of me, I think, oh, it must be nice to not have had your bag lost. And then, you know, and then eventually, of course, mine comes around. Um, and this also comes from a traumatic moment where like the, the first huge trip in Europe I took after I was studying abroad in Norway, my bag didn't arrive. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is great. My backpack that has everything in it that I checked uh, looks like it's not going to come with me. And and I, I did end up getting it back. I just showed up at the airport the next day, just absurdly hungover, and somehow it worked out. The bag was there. So that was that worked out, but it traumatized me uh, quite a bit. 
and I should clarify, we were in Helsinki and I was with my roommate, uh, my buddy, John. And so we decided to just celebrate in Helsinki without the bag there. So that's why I was hungover. It wasn't just like, I'm going to get drunk because my bag's lost on my own. I should clarify. Anywho, I don't think anyone was really going to ask about that or care about it. So we'll continue to move yeah, forward. Yeah. I was like, yep, being hungover is a thing that happens to people, that Chris. Is true. It's okay. You don't need to. Yeah. Well, this is the coffee, Allison. Defend this, yourself. This is the coffee coming okay. in. This is a coffee moment. This moment is brought to you by caffeination. That's right. And when caffeination is involved, like there's just, you imagine a few extra, at least I imagine a few extra darts being flown, uh, flown, sorry, that's a hilarious slip, thrown (laughs) at me, Yeah, you know, and so I'm just dodging them. I'm ultimately what's happening is I'm throwing the darts at myself and dodging them at the same time. Yes. So that's my anxiety with the baggage there really. But I think that about sums up the great list of anxieties as per Mm -hmm. flying. I'm happy we went through this sequentially. I should, of course, pass this back to you to give you an opportunity for any last anxieties you would like to share um, around landing. No, that's pretty much it. I share the same fear about just like getting out of the airport Mm -hmm. as well. And a little bit of like catastrophizing about like getting, if it's an unfamiliar yeah. airport, getting from airport to home. That's, but, we um, talked about that heavy. I think in, we covered. Yeah. In IIA 7. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we did talk about that. So I think that's pretty good. And these are good companion episodes. If you like have a flight coming up and you just kind of want to like get some confirmation that other people are as crazy as you, um, that's what we're here (laughs) for. Isn't that what this podcast is all about, Allison? (laughs) Exactly. It's like, hey, you may be a nut, but so are we. And it's kind of cool to be a nut. Whatever. Who cares? Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> as you cry, as you cry on the plane, it's kind of cool. This is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've cry on about ten percent of my flights. So, like, if that makes you feel any better, then fly off happily into the sunset because I will be rocking and crying and not listening to songs, so I don't ruin them. There you go. <laughs> I think that's fun. I'm happy we uh, decided to embark on that journey that we that we made that flight path of uh, just following that along. I think we yeah. can pat ourselves in the back for that. And speaking of back patting, that is always our final segment. We end on a high, perhaps not quite as high as 30,000 feet, but somewhat high. And of course, anyone who's listening, you only have to put up with about three to four minutes more of these horrible jokes, and then we'll be yeah. finished. So I have one that I want to get out please, there. Please, please. Let's uh, jet bridge the gap. And get into this. Jesus. Okay. Well. <laughs> Chris just shook his head so disapprovingly. <laughs> it was the look of like a father who's just so disappointed. Just so disappointed. Just, Not, just needs me. to let you it know. It was more like medium. It was medium. <laughs> but any, what are you patting yourself on the back for? Any can be, of course, as always, like anything in the recent history of Allison. I guess just getting some big life stuff figured out in terms of like re-entering American society after five years of shunning it. So like I got my license back. I have an absurdly expensive health insurance plan because yeah, (laughs) healthcare sucks in America and I couldn't get any Obamacare subsidies. So I'm just paying basically double my Sophia rent to just possibly get covered in case of things but it's just you know that's just the life but you know I just set it up so that it just like takes it out of my bank account without me even thinking about it and just like imagining that money already gone Mm -hmm. and spent so I don't have to think about it I just have taken care of like a lot of the little things like getting a phone plan again getting all of this basic life setup stuff figured out because it was stressing me out that I hadn't and so I just kind of like chipped away at it bit by bit And like my dad was really helpful, like taking me to appointments and stuff that I needed. And it was all a lot less painless than I expected. And I think this is like one very small silver lining of COVID is like things that used to be like incredibly arduous and drawn out, like going to the DMV is now like suspiciously short. I had my license renewed in like less than 10 minutes and I thought it was going to be like a half day ordeal. And it was like a 10 minute exchange of a few basic bits of information it was so efficient so like that is one thing that i hope carries over is like we have streamlined some processes that used to be 
a lot more contact heavy. And I do kind of hope that some of these processes stay in place and things continue to be kind of streamlined because they can be, you know what I mean? So I don't think we should move entirely over to like a robot society, but there are things that are just simplified like curbside pickup and things like that, that I hope kind of stay with us even after COVID ends and we can kind of resume normal life again. So yeah, anyway little side tangent, but I got a lot of stuff done in the last like week and a half. So it's been good. And you, Chris, what are you patting yourself on the back for this week? So I'm patting myself on the back primarily for, I just had uh, really just a couple of good conversations this week with a couple of good friends. Two of them were with kind of like friends that have been friends with kind of for a long, long time, two buddies of mine. And they, we ended up talking about a bunch of stuff around mental health, which was good. I mean, I think historically, men are terrible about speaking about mental health issues. So it's kind of refreshing to talk to two friends. I don't know whether it's because I openly have a podcast now about anxiety or what, but um, it seems like, you know, I have a couple of friends who like to check in with me on stuff. And uh, I had some mm-hmm. fruitful conversations. One of the conversations was more kind of a buddy giving me an update on how he was doing. And the other conversation was more me talking to a friend just about how I was doing. But my cat, by the way, is trying to get out of the closet behind me here. He's, he's <laughs> the closet, so if you hear bang, 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 I'm going to have to let him out again because he always bangs in threes. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, I'm just – I appreciate – Okay, I got to open – I got to let this cat out of the – Okay. <laughs> right, it doesn't like you have like – You're out. There you go. He's going to do a big stretch It like you now. have something anyways. trapped in there. Yeah. Oh, we, we, we're going to have to keep this in the podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it would be great in the video. Koji likes to make his appearances. Yeah, always just uh, – can't, you can't wait two more minutes, of course. But um, anyways, I'm, I'm no. just uh, – I'm patting myself on the back for being open to those discussions. Probably, you know, speaking for a combined 50 hours about mental health that will prepare you to have other conversations Damn. with other people. But I like oh, – I thought you meant like this last week. I didn't realize you were referring to the podcast oh, no, no, for I was a second. I was like, podcast. that's a lot of hours to spend in a week. No, no, <laughs> How no, long no. were these calls? Yeah, no, that would be too much time. I mean, I, I'd like to think that I'm a, a resource in some ways. I mean, I have my own struggles, but I think I, I try to think about this – in ways that can be helpful. And, um, you know, when I was talking to friends, I think I'm grateful that they think of me as a, you know, potential resource or somebody to talk to. I think, you know, I'm patting myself on the back for being open to that. And also just to share openly with, you know, the, there is that culture of guys where it's just like, well, let's try and, you know, one up each other with how tough we are and how, you know, we're toughing this out and stuff. But I had a couple of friends who were like, particularly one friend who was just like, no, nah, I kind of had a breakdown there for a second and just kind of like openly talked to me about how he was doing. He's doing much better now. Um, but I realized that the two of us mm-hmm. being able to keep in touch throughout this was meaningful in some way to him and definitely to me as well. So I'm patting mm-hmm. myself on the back for continuing to uh, just try and battle some of those archaic and ridiculous stereotypes around men and mental illness. I think that's uh, important. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think I'm yeah. trying to do my part with this podcast, but you know, to see it on two friends who have known me forever, I just think... Uh, I've seen, especially I've seen the way, you know, these two guys in particular chat with some of their other friends and I don't think they're able to have those conversations. So I'm extremely grateful and patting myself on the back for just I being the person who's always going to put my cards on the table and, and hopefully encourage others to feel like they can do the same. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. I think one silver lining of COVID has been us as a society all going through a collective period of trauma mm-hmm. and mental health struggles, even if you don't have a diagnosed mental illness. I think all having sort of like a similar narrative we can all discuss, it's made it easier for people to talk about their struggles when maybe they would be the kind of person to kind of keep things in mm-hmm. because we're all going through it at the same time. There's just a lot more coverage in the media about, you know, how people are struggling and it's just more acceptable to talk about our struggles right now. So I think that that is another small silver lining on the big dark cloud that you don't want to fly through that is COVID. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, I think that's as good of a place as any to wrap up. Is there anything else you want to say before we go? No, just thank everyone again for listening. Um, If you do like what we're doing, we just encourage you to join us over in our little small but mighty Facebook group we're anxious about and just uh, give us a rating or review 
wherever you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or whatever. And uh, just make sure you're subscribed if you like what we're doing and share it with any friends. I mean, I think we have a real passion for doing this, but we're also trying to, you know, grow this. Spread our wings and fly. Yeah, we're to spread our wings and fly here, um, largely because I think the reaction that we've gotten from the people who have checked us out and uh, even just like I... I'm a big Redditor, I've told you, and I will like sometimes see people recommend our podcast on like an anxiety subreddit or something. And it's so endearing to me to think that uh, someone would come across this and think it was worth spreading. But um, I guess I would just encourage folks that if they like what we're doing to spread along, because hopefully that'll uh, spread a little bit of love. And I'd like to think that us just being uh, like maniacally vulnerable i don't know know, like just like very open (laughs) is helpful for other people realizing they can do the same and and i think also like there's just like such a ridiculous trope of the idea that like people who struggle with mental health in some instances are are in some ways like damaged or not bright or not this or not that and i think it's just important to remember like you can be a lot of different things one thing doesn't equal the other you can be insightful one day and lack insight the next you can be uh incredibly grounded one day and certainly not the next i think that's why we do the check-ins and all that kind of stuff as well as just kind of show where we're at but i just would hopefully you know we'll end up with a, a body of work that shows people that you can be a lot of different things feel a lot of different ways and uh it's mostly just about how you approach it day by day so that uh, was an accidental exactly. uh monologue there <laughs> we have a lot of those. That's true. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we hope you have a peaceful rest of the week with no turbulence in your skies. All right, take care. All right. <laughs> We're taking off. Adios. Bye. Taking off. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelt. Okay, we got to stop this. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.